Welcome to another edition of the Billion Dollar Broker. Really excited about today's uh, agenda. I've got Rodney Boslin, who has made a massive impact in my life. Out of all the people that we had sort of advising us in our Aussie business, Rodney was key to our success and key into terms of making us think bigger. Today, we're going to have a chat to Rodney and we're going to talk about you know, when we first met and a bit of our journey uh, in terms of where we got to within our Aussie business. But Rodney has since moved from being a business consultant uh, to being a broker in his own right. And in the last seven years, he's now the top retail broker within an Aussie store uh, within New South Wales and a successful broker in his own right. So not only does he have the business consulting uh, and management background, he's also jumped the fence and is uh, an excellent broker in his own right. So we're gonna be talking today, you know, a bit about the story and a bit about some of the great things that Rodney's picked up from the business that he's coached, but also his life in terms of transitioning to a broker. So welcome Rodney. Thanks, Ross. Nice to uh, nice to be here. So, in terms of we're good mates, and uh, I've known you for a, a long time. Obviously, you know when we met um, way back when in sort of two thousand and five, and you know just keen to um, you know really sort of unpack the journey in terms of you know you going from um your your days i guess you started in mortgage choice was it when did you start with mortgage choice uh so back in 2001 i joined mortgage choice um uh, it was a sales and marketing uh consulting role like business development manager and um i'd already been in sales probably about 10 15 years and uh that's probably where i learned my trade um, in finance, in the finance industry. Um, it was great, built up a lot of good friends and, um, but like everything, moved on to, to Wizard and, and then to Aussie. So it's been a, a, a very exciting journey. Um, I think the most important thing is find what you're passionate about and what you enjoy doing. And two of those is in the finance industry, which is um, helping people and also selling. I just enjoy, I, I suppose, the thrill of the kill, um, selling, selling products and, and, uh, and, helping people so i get the benefit of both worlds love it so when you think back to your business consulting days what were some of the key attribute attributes with the successful brokers that you worked with oh look um good question uh so really when you're saying top franchisees i, I always took care of 20 25 stores mm. and there was a third of the stores that really wanted to work with you uh, a third that probably you know, just suffered you. And then a third that were had their own mindset and you couldn't change it. I suppose I always worked with the top third and Ross, you, when I was at Aussie, you were one of those. And um, a key, key, probably the key thing I think was they don't take um, feedback as criticism. They take feedback as feedback and they go, oh, okay, so what do you mean? And they start asking questions. So probably one of the things when I was a business coach, a lot of um, my customers who and the franchisees who have become good friends probably didn't like me so much up front because I was pretty forward. Mm -hmm. um, but they, as I didn't take the feedback as criticism, they go, well, let's work. How can we make this guy help us with our business? And that's one of the things you did. I mean, that's one of the reasons your business went so well is you and Scott went, okay, um, let's let, have, have a listen to what he has to say and how can we do it? And um, 
the other thing probably then is, yeah, once you've sort of heard the feedback, um, is to go, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And, and realistically, you can you can have a thought, and it's until you put it into action, nothing happens. So yeah. that's probably the biggest thing I, I think with whether it was Mortgage Choice, Wizard, Aussie, or even even customers now, unless you put it in into action, you could have all the best feedback in the world, and and it's really not going to do anything. Yeah, exactly right. I think you know. And again, you're quite direct in terms of your feedback and you're probably right. At times I've probably felt like telling you to, to nick off. Um, but then you sit back and you reflect, right? And it's the same thing around that I explained bro- to brokers around getting their customers to think a different way that you need to challenge and educate them so they can take on board that. And, you know, some people are, are going to be sitting below that, what I call below the line. They're going to be acting in that victim mentality and they're never going to do anything. And I guess that's your bottom third of people. But part of, you know, as you mentioned, working with the franchisees, working with that 30% of people who are willing to be guided and to be led, right? So, and I think it takes a bit of self-awareness to get over your own ego and realize that, hey, I don't have the answers. I'm going to be willing to, you know, listen. And again, I think that was something that I took away from you when we were working together, that you always challenged me, right? So there was plenty of people in head office that said, hey, Ross, you're the number one franchise. You're doing really, really well. But in your own mind, compared to others, you're doing well. But from a potential point of view, I knew I had a lot more to give, right? So the reason uh, that I loved working with you was you didn't take where I was at. You took where I was at and pushed me further than where I was at, forced me to look at, well, what's next? What's possible? Rather than saying, hey, you're doing well with the status quo. And I think, you know, whether it's we're looking at, the, the people that we're working with or the clients, one of the things is to look at what's possible, look at the light within them and be that mirror that reflects that to them, right? And if we're that mirror that reflects that to them, then the potential for them goes to the next level. I think that's key as part of being a business consultant. Would you agree? Absolutely. I like the word potential because I... I when I'm direct, I always watch the reaction and then I see it, it comes down to that probably the first 10, 15 seconds when you give the feedback and it's maybe tough love, as my parents used to call it, tough love. And then you see them swallow and then they ask, it's what happens next, the next reaction to see how much potential they got, where they are, whether they're here, whether they're here, where they can go to the next step and they swallow and then they go, what do you mean? Or how do you mean? Or they ask the, the what, why, how, how questions, which is what do I need to do? Then I know, it's like fishing, I've caught them. I go, okay, let's see what we can do. So um, it's interesting. I, I know you've probably heard this story a thousand times. I talk about comfort zones. Mm. People are in comfort zones. And I always say to you was, um, is it really comfortable? Is it really comfortable? Or are you just comfortable in an uncomfortable zone? Because you don't know what you don't know. And once you go to the comfort, the new comfort zone, you go, oh yeah, really, that was uncomfortable. Like we did when, when the GFC hit and we sat down and we sort of planned what we were going to do. Um, we were comfortable. We were all comfortable. The GFC sort of turned it on its head and we all had to go, okay, what's the next step? What are we going to do? And, um, but once we 
three months in, we're in this new comfort zone going from what I think we were writing seven, eight million to 40 million a month. Mm. I mean, that would never have been a comfort zone for any of us until we pushed ourselves and we sort of took on the challenge. Yeah, which brings us back to the point and a big part of the reason I wanted to get you on the podcast today, Rod, was because you were there at that point when we did go from, you know, seven or eight mil to $40 million months where we really took that opportunity at the GFC. And I think at the point you were made redundant um, at that point and we're like, oh, we don't want to lose you, Rod. Well, let's, um, and you sort of hatched this grand plan for us to really take advantage of, you know, when Wizard was dying and it was sort of bought by Aussie, we were left with that opportunity with a lot of our, sort of GE customers were out of the market and we combined a couple of wizard businesses at that point in time. And, you know, with your guidance, sort of we hatched a plan in terms of what we were going to do to obviously, you know, take advantage of that. So you want to talk a bit about what you remember from uh, those days? Oh, I mean, it, it, yeah, the GFC hit and then it was just all of a sudden GE goes, that's it, we're selling. And, um, and Wizard was going to transform into morph into what CBA owning us and um, Aussie owning us and Pepper taking some of the book as well. And they literally gave us, I was made redundant and we were given four months or four or five months, I think it was to, to rewrite that book. And so it was just, it was forced upon us. So it's almost like someone put a gun against our head and said, you've got to do this. And some people reacted badly and, and sort of folded and closed their businesses and, and yeah, the, the Parramatta business, we stepped up. And um, so I suppose it started with an idea. Um, we all got excited about that. And then um, we, we just pretty much started a formulate. I've got a, I've got a saying that I use all the time that processes produce predictable and repeatable results. We just basically started putting processes around a plan um, and then started implementing, getting the IT, getting the um, infrastructure in place, desks. We, I think if I remember, it was quite funny. We started, we were going to employ about 10 or 15 people overnight. We had three desks and we're going, where are we going to put everybody? <laughs> and we're sort of going, no, oh, don't worry about that. We'll sort that out. Let's just write the loans. Yeah. Um, so we had people sharing desks. We had builders coming in overnight. It was So it was just really putting the basics in, everything that we talked about. Um, uh, I mean, normally I would say, look, preparation prevents piss poor performance, and it does. But we just use the GE methodology, which is get it eighty percent right, and we'll be successful. Just do it. So um, I think that's probably the big thing, Ross. I think all Scott, and Scott, and um, I can't remember the third guy's name. It now he's John. John. Yeah. And uh, we just said, let's just do it. You know, bugger it. Let's just go for the ride. And it was a hell of a ride. We were a white knuckle ride, um, but it was exciting. And um, the amount of people going in and out of our building on a daily basis would have been funny uh, to watch. But um, yeah, we just, just, yeah, took the ball by the horns and did it. Exactly. And yeah, that's something I've always admired you for is that you got in and did it, right? Even though you're at a level where we were paying you a business consultancy fee to, to come and sort of work in our business during that time, you weren't afraid to be on the front lines and you spend, you know, a good part of your day actually, you know, on the phones yourself, just picking yeah. up the phones and uh, booking in appointments for the brokers. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that was probably a, a learning because I thought we, because with, with people, I think call reluctance is the biggest issue. 
Um, and and do I do I get afraid to call? Absolutely. There's always a fear, and I say it to my oldest daughter now. You may feel fear, but just do it anyway. Mm. And so you know, we had call center operators, and we just got on the phone. But again, it was about, well, I made that phone call, but I used to take a couple of minutes just to prepare myself to go, why am I making this phone call? How will I make a difference in this person's life? And I do that every time I, I pick up the phone now when I get a lead. How am I going to make a difference in this person's life? So I'm always thinking, what's my value add? What am I actually doing here? Um, but uh, yeah, booking an appointment, I think we we ended up putting in a, um, a joint uh, calendar in for everybody so we could see everybody. Um, and just booked them in. Uh, I, I think there was brokers there. I don't think they'd ever done more than two or three appointments in a day. And we were booking like eight appointments in a day, whether that was via phone or face-to-face. -face. So, uh, but it was good. It was good. The customers were really responsive. Occasionally you'd ring up a customer and say, oh, look, I can save you five grand. They go, they're not interested. And you go, really? And um, whether they just didn't believe us, but um, yeah, we're, we're, the amount of money that we saved customers in terms of interest rates and stuff was phenomenal. I, I don't think we ever tracked that, but it would have been good to have tracked that. Oh, it would have been great to track that. So, you know, and you're right, that led us to really do volumes. And I guess the reason why I wanted to chat to that about today is because I see, you know, if you read the headlines, you'd think it's another GFC. Like there's, you know, doom and gloom in the market in terms of raising rates, you know, the potential for high inflation, what's going to happen with the economy, what's going to happen with the market. And so we've seen, you know, purchase business slow down a little bit where brokers now need to be proactive and now they now need to do exactly what you said in terms of transition. And, you know, we're talking that, um, you know, rates haven't gone up for, what is it, seven years or something now. Um, so a lot of brokers that have started recently within the market have never seen a market where rates increase and the market actually slows down, right? Where they have to be more proactive and, and take that step. And maybe they haven't been picking up the phone and their existing um, database, there's opportunities sitting in there that they haven't capitalized on, right? So in terms of it's a real, what you were saying around that core reluctance is just really focus on the value that you're going to add and pick up the phone and do it anyway. Yeah. Can I, I'll just share my first sales manager, first day, this is what he told me. These are the five, the four or five tips that he gave me. He said, Johnny on the spot gets the job. And I went, what do you mean by that? He said, just go out and visit the stores, mm -hmm. right? So that's one of my jobs. I was, well, sales going visiting stores. He said, the second is, answer the phone. I went, okay, that sounds normal. I said, Jesus, just when it answers, pick it up. I went, okay, one, one of my biggest customers just by picking up the phone when everybody else was thinking about lunch and I just walked past, heard the phone ring, picked it up. Um, do what you say you're going to do. So actually do it. If you're going to promise something, just do it and add value. I've spoken about that one. And the other one, and I always, and it comes down to presentation. He always said that your first appointment, always wear a jacket. Now I don't wear a jacket anymore but I always present well. So customers see me how I want the, myself to be presented. But really, again, answering the phone and joining on the spot, you, you're never going to make a sale if you're talking to yourself. You've yeah. got to be talking to people. Yeah, I, I gave BDMs that feedback quite often. I don't know if it got through, but I used to try <laughs> to, uh, you just pick up the phone, right? It's, it's not that hard a job, right? But uh, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It's um, definitely, I love those those points and again showing up right the just showing up 
doing the boring stuff day in day out um is this the consistency is the thing that leads to uh success right so so that was the gfc um days and then um i think you went back to aussie and we worked together you know over the the you know the next oh, i guess five years um between sort of 2010 and sort of 2015 and they were the years we sort of got to the number one aussie franchise and you were a big part of sort of yeah as i said that continual involvement you know constantly talking to us about what was what was next um which sort of led to to that success and again i think you know you got in and you were prepared to not only talk to us but to talk to the staff and get your hands dirty uh which really made a big difference um within our business so what were some of the things that you learnt within from the franchises that sort of set you up to be a successful broker like you are today? Look, um, again, everything I did, um, everything I do now is from what I learned from training and teaching you guys. Um, like whether that's database and database is a critical part because people want to feel that they're valued. Mm -hmm. So database is regular contact with the customers. Um, at the moment, I think in the last, I've been preparing for this increase in interest rates for about four or five months of just renegotiating all the interest rates on for every single customer. That's probably my single biggest marketing tool. So I, I, I negotiate the rates, I send them texts, I have conversations with them and they're really appreciative of it. Appreciative of it. Now that was something brokers tend, didn't tend to do. They never used to touch their database. They were always looking at the next deal, but not focusing on what the customers they had because it's easier to convert an existing customer than it is to convert a, a brand new customer. So uh, that's probably one thing, applying database principles and actually constantly touching base with customers. I realised it's a very lonely business because you're always, you know, it, it's me and I was my customers. Um, that's why I enjoy that environment where, you know, we go away on on events and we actually talk about business. And that's that's critical for me, making sure that I'm always uh, stretching my my mind to see what are you guys doing? What's, what's happening in the industry, especially now with yourself? Um, I can ask you questions. What are other brokers doing? So um, it's having that learning to have a network of people, like-minded people mm -hmm. to, to push me. And I need it. I need pushing. You know, I push myself pretty hard, but you still need to see what other people are doing. Um, the other thing as well is I took away from one of the things that I know you taught my sister as well in terms of how to do broking was sort of plan for the customer and work backwards because it's not just a single product that you're selling them it's a solution so a lot of the words i use are partnership um, as part of the partnership this is what i'm going to do i'm going to be here in 10 or 15 years time I've won so many customers that way because customers want someone in their corner so that's me i'm in their corner i, I you know I, I i always jest that i hate all the banks equally um, it's actually not a jest i do because they are very frustrating but my job is to take care of my customers and so, you know, get the best result for them time in, time out. And again, that's they, they reward me with their loyalty and with um, referrals. So, and all that is just, um, I probably, I was a coach longer than I should have been because I should have been selling because that's what I love doing, selling every day. Um, I should have jumped ship earlier and, bec and become a broker earlier. 
Um, but I also the problem was is I love what I do I did and I you know working with you guys, especially when you sort of hit that billion dollar loan book, uh, it was exciting. I mean I, I was excited for you guys. I mean yeah, um, you, you made more money than I did, but uh, it was exciting just to help you achieve that result. That's what really gets me out of bed every morning and say how can I help someone do better. Yeah. So that's what inspires me. Love it. And that's, you know, and that's what it's about, right? It's about others. It's about helping others regardless, you know, and that's what really fulfills within that extra, you know, 100K or extra property that you earn, you know, isn't going to do it. It's it's sort of what comes from within and really giving to others is, is massive. So I love that. And some really, you know, good tips in terms of that you've taken away from, you know, the database from your network from you know constantly learning and pushing yourselves from what others in the network are doing so some some really good stuff there so if we you know again in terms of you when you made that transition from coach to broker and you use some of those key things in terms of i know in terms of following your sort of business you start off do, trying to do a lot of it yourself and now more recently you've got um, a team in place so what has been the impact when you've actually you know started to sort of practice what you preached back then and now done it for yourself and and got a team in place oh look um you'd know this i was a control freak so i'd like to control every little bit like when i was the consultant i'd get my hands on i'll get my hands dirty and working every day um, it's that step back and with not stepping back and doing less, but probably actually doing more. But um, I've now got uh, my PA who does my loan packaging and, and lodgements and following up settlements, which I used to do myself pretty much. Um, and, and my field assistant as well, who also helps with, you know, speaking to customers. It's just, it's chalk and cheese. I've actually, where I was very stressed out and, and didn't have time, for myself, I've now got a bit of time. Um, both of my assistants are my sisters and I love working with them every day. It's fantastic. Um, they live in WA, so I'm a family man. So yeah, it's always tough living away from my family, but um, I, I love working with them. They're really good. They've got attention to detail. They're very like me. Um, and my big sister loves selling. So yeah, my big sister, probably my customers love her more than me. But at the end of the day, um, you've got people who are passionate um, it just makes the day fun. It makes it fun where it wasn't becoming fun because I was doing everything myself. Now I've got a team around me and they push me and they ask me questions. And um, But I can sort of knock off at the end of the day and go, I can trust my PA and my field assistant to keep the business running and I can start to take time off. Will I grow my business again? Absolutely. I think I need a few more people in, 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 the, um, in the business um, to train up because I know I can't do this forever. I've probably got another eight, 10 year plan where I can you know, face to face, but I'd, I'd like to step back a little bit more um, but yeah, I, I was probably, if I reflect back, I was probably one of those franchisees who's got getting the best advice, but didn't do it. Um, so, but I've, you know, Ross and Billy and a couple of my other mates are also in the finance industry. Um, they kept telling me, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. And then when I finally did it, I got that aha moment went, yeah, I'm an idiot. I should have done this earlier. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember Scotty was a bit the same if you look back, right? So Scott, my brother, who was partners in the business, I sort of got uh, my assistant invested and paid for it uh, um, myself. And it, he was a bit of a control freak, similar to you, right? And it took us 
years to the point where I think he had so much volume that he was forced to do it. Uh, and I think some people get to that point where the, the pain becomes too much um, and they, they can't control, right? They think they're in control, but they've got too much volume to control. So they finally let go of the reins uh, and realize and give in, right? And, and Scott was the same, right? Once he made that decision, he definitely never went back. But, you know, I think what it comes down to also is what you said before around, you know, do that thing that you're passionate about. And you said to me, I love selling, right? I love selling. I should have done it years ago. And I guess by doing what you've done in terms of putting your team in place, it's allowing you to do more of what you're passionate about and what you love. Yep, 100%. So, yeah, and that's what excites you, gets you up every day. Mm. and get you up every day because otherwise it's a it's a bit of a task going oh i've got to go to the office i've got to write loans again i've got to follow up this this bank or whatever that's all noise that's the i think i use this term i'll coin this frame too many times that's the 25 dollar an hour jobs mm. stop doing the 25 hour a dollar an hour jobs start doing the 250 dollar an hour jobs because mm. that's where it's going to make the money and it's people that love the 25 dollar an hour jobs that's fine um but yeah don't do them yourself Oh, I love it. I, I call them the dollar productive activities. Um, and, you know, I've probably got it from you, Rod, but uh, I use that constantly in my coaching and my training around bang on. And uh, everyone in my program is probably sick of me hearing me talk about the dollar productive activities, but you're exactly right. And, you know, we've spoken before, it's not rocket science, this business, is it? And, and I'm, but you've, they're probably words of yours as well, right? So, you're big, I know you're big on sort of keeping it simple. So if you were to advise someone on what does keeping it simple mean? What does keeping it simple mean? Yeah. Uh, look, I, 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 I don't do a lot of marketing, but what I do is effective. Mm. Yeah. So um, I, I, I do the pricing negotiations. I touch base with the customers. I pick up the phone. That's one, pick up the phone. Uh, two, look for the value every time what value am i adding um three i think a lot of and i had a customer today they asking me questions that nobody's ever asked me before and i'm like why are you asking that question it's a good question but um what is it really you're trying to get to so just keep go back to the basics why are you doing this are you buying this house for what to live in are you buying this house to make money are you what is it that you're trying to do just get down to the why keep the simple why because at the end of the day, if you can deliver the why, they're going to be happy with you. Mm -hmm. So I try not to overcomplicate over it. I don't try to impress anybody. I just, you know, just try to do my job really, really well. And hopefully I, I, I've helped people along the way. So um, I think probably one of my, um, Billy, he'll use this one until probably to the day he dies. Big rocks and small rocks. Mm -hmm. Get the big rocks right. You know, they're the ones that really are going to impact customers or impact your business. Um, the little rocks, yeah, you can stack them in later, but if you do the little rocks first and forget about the big rocks, you'll never get the big rocks in. Mm -hmm. So keeping it simple is, yeah, just about, um, just do the job. Just, yeah, don't overcomplicate it. So Exactly. Do the job. And then the other thing you, you mentioned and we've spoken about before was... Um, you know, around the importance, and I guess we did this back in uh, 2009, and you mentioned that, the importance of having that process and having that plan, which, again, in these difficult times, how important are they? Oh, they're critical. Um, 
So I don't know if I've said it already, but processes produce predictable and repeatable results. I use that catch cry all the time. Mm. Um, my, when my PA came on board, I literally just had to write all the processes again, which I'd done hundreds of times for other businesses, but I hadn't done it for myself. So she just follows the process, bang, one after the other. It's just a ticker box. It's a four page A4. When this happens, this is the next thing happens. When this happens, the next thing. She follows that religiously. Um, and it's not an option of, of, can I do it slightly different? It go, no, just follow the process. Um, and, and it keeps her on track and it gets the same, the same result, whether it's customer A, B or C, the same result. So when a customer refers them to me, they know they're going to get the same result. They know they're going to get the same email, which says loans been submitted. They're going to get the same text, which is a congratulations text with the, um, the fireworks. Um, they know they're going to get the call at the 12 month mark. They're going to get the same. I know it seems boring. We talk about simple, it gets boring, but it's consistency. Mm -hmm. um, I've read a book called the paradox of choice. And they talked about that in one of the, one of the first chapters, customer goes into the barber and he goes in there, he gets his shave, gets his coffee and gets a newspaper and he thinks oh this is good got a good haircut as well came back the second time what they did is they gave him a great haircut they put a warm towel on his face didn't give him the newspaper gave him an orange juice and that was a shock to his system because he's like hold on i didn't get the same experience mm -hmm. so when they come back the third time yeah got a great haircut still got the warm that warm, warm towel on the face got the coffee and got a magazine and he was like oh, the customers just want this consistency so again processes give the customers consistency they give the customers that they refer to the consistency so the people that refer know they're going to get the same experience and they know in three years time they're going to come back and go oh i need to fill in this form customer information form i need to provide these documents he's going to ask me these questions and so yeah the process keeps me on track it keeps my staff on track and it also keeps customers with that same consistent service. If so, if the only thing you're gonna to do to change your process is improve it, is don't take away the things that are working. Yeah. My other sister, um, she came from different aggregator and different um, head brokers. And so when she came to mine, it was about to process and now she just lives that process. So, so it's again, it's just consistency. And, and um, if you know that, the processes again, as I say, a million times, processes produce predictable and repeatable results. Mm -hmm. And that's a GE term that I learned when I was, you know, when Wizard owned, when they owned Wizard. They just use that all the time as part of the Six Sigma. Mm. So, but yeah, you get your processes right. Beg, borrow, or steal, even if they feel uncomfortable, even if they eventually, the first thing I do in any step is I already know what's the next step. So I do this and then I do the next step. And so my staff know it, I know it, my customers know it. Love it. Love it. And um, yeah, I think there's some gold there. Right? And in terms of, I know for, for me in the program, we talk a lot. And one of the big things that I teach is that billion dollar broker loan process. I'm currently, you know, building out some systems at the moment, getting some experts in so I can provide that as an implement, something that people can implement within their business and it's automated to just make it happen because I think in everything we do that process and planning is is so important so and obviously that's led you to be you know the top retail um, broker in a store in New South Wales and you've you've sort of had that title for a number of years now so and most of your business would come from repeat and referral am I right oh absolutely yep probably 90 percent now mm. 90%. Yes. So, but I still, I'm, 
I'm competitive. I'm a, I'm a competitive animal. So even when I'm writing good loans, I go, how much more can I write? Mm. I, I just, you know, how can I get more leads? So mm. I'm always talking to the franchise owner and saying, you know, those company, company source leads, I know I can convert them better than anybody else. So mm. why don't you give me some more? And he shakes his head. He goes, Rod, don't you write enough? And I go, I can never write enough. My team, <laughs> my team want to write more. They want to do more work. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's just my competitive spirit, I guess. I just want to write more. I've, I wrote 80 mil, uh, settled 80 mil last year. I want to do 100 this year. And it's probably small fry. Probably, I, I know I pushed you more than that. I, 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 I said to you, well, you're writing 100 mil. Why not write 250 mil? <laughs> and you go, well, that's ridiculous. And we'd hit 230. Mm-hmm. And I go, aim for the stars. If you mm-hmm. miss, just no. If you aim for the sun and, and you miss, you still become a star. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, yeah, keep pushing yourself. That's probably a good one. Beautiful. Uh, and I think, you know, this has sort of been a great conversation. We've spoken about, you know, the, the days in a coach, what's led you to be a successful broker. And I think it's really fitting for, for the time in the market. If you were going to give one piece of advice to somebody that's really looking to scale their business, so um, to really take themselves to the next level, what would be that one piece of advice that you would give? Face the fear, do it anyway. Yeah. Do it 100% every day, scale up. Mm. Um, you'll be scared. It'll, it'll, it'll seem audacious, but do it anyway, honestly. You, you, what's the worst that could happen? You write the same amount as you did last time. Mm. Uh, get uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable. And fear is just a normal mechanism in human beings. Um, fight or flight. But, um, you know, I see it in my kids. I've got... I've got one daughter who's got that fear mechanism, that fight or flight. Um, she's got that flight mechanism and she tends to hold back and doesn't really reach her potential every time. I've got another one that just goes, bugger it, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm. So, um, and then I've got a third that just sits back and, and sort of a bit more relaxed. Mm. All of those are good. You know, there's nothing wrong in any of those, but um, just do it anyway. It's really, if you can upscale and, and get those $25 an hour jobs to someone else who loves doing that, and you can do the two fifty dollar, two hundred fifty dollar an hour jobs. Um, it's it's worth it. I mean, you'll get out of that comfort zone, but you think comfort zone is actually an uncomfortable zone, and get into a newer uh, paradigm and um, do it every day. I know, I know. Ross challenges me. I go, yeah, I know, I know. I've heard this. I've told that to you a hundred times, and now you're telling me, uh, and I know I need to do it. So, but um, and I've done it. I've taken the plunge. And I know in, in once I settle the bed this all down in six, 12 months, I'll I'll do the next growth pattern. So yeah, beautiful. And I think that uh, leads us to the final comment. And I know we talk about it a lot, especially when we do our our, our man walks where we try to do a three-day hike in in two days. And so what's the saying that we quite often say, Rodney? If it was easy, everybody'd be doing it. Exactly. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I think. That's a great way to um, finish this and to, you know, in terms of motivation for what's happening in the market, you know, 70% of business is now being done by mortgage brokers. If you want to be that broker that is in the top few percent and actually takes market share in a market and economy that's trending downwards, you've got to be prepared to do the other, the things that other people won't. 
And Rod, you've uh, been a great example of what you've done and what you've achieved over the years. And, uh, you know, as a gratitude to you for what everything you've done and how you've pushed, pushed me, I've loved, uh, you know, reminiscing and uh, having a chat. And I've got a lot out of today and I'm sure the other brokers that are listening would have got something out. So uh, thank you. No, thank you, Roscoe. So this has been another episode of The Billion Dollar Broker. So if you want to know more, one, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can view it at our website, billiondollarbroker.com.au. All the episodes are there or on any of your podcast platforms. Um, secondly, join our Facebook group. It's a private group called The Billion Dollar Broker on Facebook. And thirdly, if you want to put an inquiry, jump on our website and put an inquiry in. I'd love to uh, jump on a 10-minute call to see how we can help you in one of our programs. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.